Our gospel reading this morning is from Luke chapter 2. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to his own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. Now, while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. There were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Now suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. And so they hurried off, found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, They spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. Shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. This is the word of the Lord. Well, Merry Christmas again. It's good to uh, have you with your families this morning. I I pray that you've at least had uh, some breakfast, uh, hopefully at least one cup of coffee. Uh, That may have been what motivated and was able to help you sweep up the driveway, clear off the cars. Uh, I happened uh, to be on Santa Watch last night. Uh, I I lasted until about 2 a.m., and in the neighborhood he had not come, but the snow started to fall at 2 a.m. here in Monument. They were big flakes. I mean, about quarter size. There was no wind, and they just floated softly down to the ground. I was like, oh, man, God, you are so good. I thought, well, that'll keep everybody from church. (laughs) You know, it's the silliest things, right, that get us, get in the way the get in the way of worshiping God. It's the silliest of things that keep us from living out our faith. It's the, it's the silliest, right? Now, other times, it's things that we perceive that are hindering, right? Keeping us from living out our faith or proclaiming the gospel and, and it's all of its truth. We have a challenge, I think, because there's a misperception in our own lives as to what What really is the gospel? What is it that our neighbors need to hear? What is it that they desperately want to believe? 
See, I'll contend with you that what we think they want to hear is nowhere near what they need. Many of us have read the morning newspaper, gone online for our news feeds. We've quickly scrolled through on our phone and and found all the pertinent information of things that have happened around the world or even near us in our own communities overnight or the previous day. And we say, you know what, this world would be a whole lot better place if somebody would just stand on the corner and just tell them, you're sinners, you're doing it wrong. This world would be just so much better if we could just elect the right people into office and boy, they would really change the world for Jesus. They're all lies. There is no perfect government. There is no perfect elected leader. There aren't even great volunteer leaders in all of its purity. Because, see, God doesn't use politics to advance his kingdom. Let me just say that really clearly. God does not use politics to advance his kingdom. And he doesn't use people standing on the street corner and neighbors wagging their fingers at their neighbors saying, well, you ought to be better. You ought to go to church more. You ought to do this and this and this and this. Or you shouldn't be. You shouldn't be doing this. You shouldn't be doing that. See, our neighbors, I don't think they need We feel really righteous and justified, right? We read our Bibles. Well, the Lord says, thou shalt not. And I must be better than you because I'm using the old king's English. I use these and thou's and it sounds holier and that's because I'm more perfect than you. Not that I act better, but I know the law. As if knowing the law showed that you had a heart towards Jesus at all. I want to read the last part of this gospel lesson. The last couple of verses here tell us and give us a clue as to the direction that we have been called as God's people this Christmas morning. See, in verse 15, when the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. That's step number one. Step number one is you should be hearing God's word on a regular basis, and you yourselves should be interjecting into that story and saying, now, I'm going to go see if this thing is true. I'm going to go see if, at Family of Christ, people's lives are actually transformed and changed. I'm going to ask somebody if in the last year of hearing sermons or being a part of a life group, if there's a change in behavior. I'm going to check this thing out. I'm also not going to just take pastor's word for it. I'm going to open up my word, the the Bible, and I'm going to check it out to make sure that what he's preaching is coming straight from Scripture. In essence, that's what the, the shepherds were saying. We're going to go to Bethlehem and see this thing. I mean, we've been told by angels we were shocked, quite frankly. <laughs> Fell down on our faces. Uh, we, we believe this, but we're going to go see, check it out, and make sure. The same could be said for your personal devotion time each and every day. Oh, I know Jesus, I know God, I I know that his word is there, but, but have you gone to see it? Have you gone to see the word? Because Isaiah 55 tells us that when God's word comes out, it will accomplish what it says it will do. That's amazing. 
That is amazing to, to go, you know what? God promises that my word that is proclaimed here in Holy Scripture, it will do what I sent it to do. So you know what? We don't have to worry anymore about our kids that don't go to church enough. Or our grandkids that seem to be on some wayward path. Or our own kids, right? Who we, oh, we just rack our brain. We, oh, we can't wait till they're 18 and move on. We don't have to worry about what our next job is if we don't have one. We don't have to worry about the weather. We don't have to worry about whether we'll you know, get our bills taken care of, whether we'll have a house or a roof over our heads. Why? Because we trust God's word that says, wait a minute, don't you see the grass of the field that's here today and gone tomorrow? Don't, don't you see the flowers, how beautiful they are? Don't you know I love you more than this? So I'm going to give you clothing. I'm going to give you a place to, to lay your head. I'm going to give you food. Why do you worry? Shame on you, God says. Do we take his word face value this Christmas morning? Because it is a great word. Check it out. Verse 16, they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in a manger. And when they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child. They went out and did it. Do you hear that? They actually go to Bethlehem, they see Jesus, and all of a sudden, they actually take their faith seriously. Wake up, Christian! When are we going to start taking our faith seriously, sharing it and spreading it, instead of just holding dearly onto it for our own, as if this is some treasure that we just need to keep to ourselves? How selfish! How selfish. You know, most of the outright atheists that I meet say they laugh at Christians because you claim to believe and have faith in a higher power, this is their language, but you don't live like it. And you don't share it with anyone. You just keep it bottled up and you keep your cliques and you keep your clubs and if you want to join, well, come and, come and hear, but don't ever take that faith out into the world. Don't ever be challenged by it. Don't ever meet with unbelievers. Don't ever have a meal with them. And so, Atheists, the ones I know, I say, we laugh at you Christians. You see, the shepherds, they go and check it out. It's true. They now hear it and they proclaim what they've heard about this child. What did they hear about this child? You saw it in the video. Let me remind you. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given. And the government will be on his shoulders and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. And the zeal of the Lord 
will accomplish this. I love that little bit right in the end. You know what? God's zeal, his fervor, his energy, his outright ability to make things happen. God isn't up there just observing. He's not just hmm, pondering. He's an active God. He's an active God. And I love it when I see God pushing you. I love it when I see God challenging you. I love it when I see his zeal well up in you and you're just, I gotta do something about this. I gotta tell somebody, I gotta go somewhere, I gotta volunteer, I need to put this into action. Because our God is a God of zeal, of energy, of focus and drive. That's the beauty of this. It's not just a meek and mild little baby laying in a manger this morning. This Jesus, if you'll see on the picture here, (laughs) this little baby grows up and puts himself on a cross. You say, no, the Romans did that. No, Jesus went willingly, purposefully, and with zeal. And he hung on the cross for you. And that's why this word is a word from the edge. Because the world says no God would purposely come down and die. No God would endure what he endured just so you can have peace and mercy and eternal life. No God would do that. But see, our God has a different voice than the world's voice. Why does he have a different voice? This is what's said about him, right? He's going to be the wonderful counselor. How many of you... On any day in the last seven days, during any point of the day, have said, I wonder what God's will is for my life. Just go ahead and raise your hands if you've you've pondered that at all. Some of you haven't pondered it at all, really? In the last seven days, you call yourselves Christians and you haven't pondered what is God's will for your life. Try it out. I'm telling you, he's a wonderful counselor. You don't got to pay him anything. In fact, if you want a 30-minute session, a 60-minute session, a 90-minute session, you want a three-hour session. He doesn't charge. He's a wonderful counselor. You say, I I can't hear God's voice. Open the Bible. I'm telling you, just start in the book of Proverbs. It's the beginning of wisdom. And isn't that why we seek out a counselor? It's for wisdom. Oh, no, it's probably easier to type in whatever your issue is. Hit a Google search and go, well, what are the top five choices for someone in the engineering field with a petroleum background with jobs in Oklahoma? Instead of opening up God's word and going, God, how would you direct my steps? Well, no, I want a more specific answer to my question. Really? So how's that been working for you when you've demanded of God a specific answer for a specific question when in fact he says, you you don't even have a heart turned towards me. How are you going to listen? He's a wonderful counselor. He is a mighty God. I hope that impacts you this morning. Think about it. Again, a little babe wrapped in claws may not impress us very much, but do you remember what he does He has great wisdom at age 12 as he speaks in the temple. He gives counsel early on. Can you imagine what it was like in the teenage years when you're playing around with Jesus on the street, right? I mean, you're playing hopscotch and he always wins. I mean, (laughs) you jump in rope and he never misses a beat. (laughs) 
It's like, dude, you probably throw him a pitch, he hits a home run every single time. Or if he doesn't need the home run, he needs a triple and then a double and then a single for the cycle. I mean, I'm sure Jesus would go, well, I guess I'm just good. But he's an almighty God. Think about it. He was present in creation. If you notice there in in Genesis in chapter 1, it says, let us make man in our image. You see, the Godhead, the three in one, is present in creation. And even there, Jesus is present in making you. He is a mighty God, an everlasting father. In Hebrew here, this idea of an everlasting father is that he is, uh, that he is the helper of the fatherless. You say, oh, no, I've got a dad. No, no, we're talking about that longing in each of our hearts that God has placed there to long for the eternal father. And he's a helper for them. Some of you know this in your own life. Some of you were not raised in church. You're not raised in faith. You came to faith later in life because God the Father led you, brought you, hounded you until you relented. Until by your own admission you said, I can't keep fighting him anymore. That's the kind of father we have. And a prince of peace. No doubt this is part of what the shepherd shared with the entire world. Because again, being under Roman rule, constantly in a state of war, can you imagine that the nation of Israel felt like, gosh, what's happening? What's going on? Why does it seem like we're always warring and fighting? And for Jesus to come in and go, no, no, wait, I'm the prince of peace. That doesn't mean there won't be any wars on earth. What it means is that there is peace between us and God. So you want to talk about an incredible gift, right, that is for everyone, that needs to be shared. This is the Jesus that the shepherds said they saw, and this is the Jesus they understood, and this is the Jesus they shared with people. In the last verses here, the shepherds returned glorifying and praising God, I love that part. So not only did they hear, not only did they go see, not only did they proclaim it, but they constantly seemed to be giving honor and praise to God, not only for the message, but for the willingness, the change of heart, for them to go out and shepherd themselves. For all the things that they had heard and seen. I'd like you to turn to your neighbor this morning and share what you are thankful for that you have seen from the Lord in the last 24 hours. Go ahead, do that now. I'm going to ask for some categories here. How many of you were very thankful for food or drink last night? Uh, anything along those lines, right? How many of you, the category was family? Yeah, keep your hands raised. I want you to turn around and I want you to see, if you're sitting in front, turn around and just see the number of people that have said, God, you know what I saw? I saw your son's face 
in my children, in my spouse, in my neighbor. Thanking and praising God for everything that they had seen and heard. I don't know what the Lord has in store for you for the rest of the day as far as your schedule goes, but I do know this. You will absolutely encounter someone today for you to tell the story, for you to share your faith, for you to encourage and uplift, for you to love, to cherish, to honor their life, to share grace with them and mercy and peace. I will guarantee you, today is the day. My prayer is is that you do not pass the opportunity to share that little baby Jesus, the one hanging on the cross for us all. For king and kingdom. Amen. And now may this word of the Lord truly strengthen your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus until his return to take us home. Amen.